0: Well, I think it's uh, always good to find better ways to do things, yeah? I mean, that's uh, we see this in our rapidly advancing technology, cell phones. Remember how they started? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> always good to find a better way to do something. I, I want each day to be better than the one before. I don't know about you. But uh, I'm not done yet. And uh, in my marriage, my fatherhood, and my friendships, and my work, even in my hobbies, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want every day to be better than the one before it. Is anybody on board? Yeah. More than anything in my walk with Jesus Christ, I want every day to be better than the one before it. Yeah. And uh, prayer is such a vital dimension of our walk with the Lord and our experience with God, that I always want to be learning how to do that better. Yes? I want to I learn how to be a better prayer. Uh, reflecting back on the earlier days of prayer in my life, if you can relate to this or not, but uh, in my life they were characterized by a lot of effort, uh, a lot of kind of legalistic sacrifice, rather than uh, they were by grace and relationship and so I have to say that the way I've matured to pray is is a whole lot more comfortable and exciting and enjoyable than it was in the first days I I used to think that prayer was up to me that the result of prayer had more to do with me than with God can anybody relate That I just wasn't praying hard enough, or right enough, or enough, or anybody know what I'm talking about? I was praying more like I was still living in the Old Testament, rather than the New Testament. And so I'm glad I've lived this long, and uh, (laughs) you too, (laughs) and got to the place where there's a better way to pray. It's actually pretty easy to get caught up in a works righteousness kind of approach to prayer, isn't it? That it's up to me. That I gotta dig in, and I gotta. I'm doing something wrong, and and I think that the devil himself will be happy to help you develop that approach to prayer. That uh, that didn't work out because you failed somehow. And what happens is when we do this, it takes the relational authenticity out of prayer. Prayer is is at its core a relationship with God, isn't it? It's a conversation of love with God. And when we get caught up in this legalistic works righteousness kind of approach to prayer, it takes the relational authenticity out of it. It takes the, the love, the true love dynamic out of it. And that really cuts, cuts out the heart of prayer itself. I'm kind of thinking about a, a husband who comes home on, after work on February 14th and says, uh, you know, he says some flowers in his hand, and he says, it's Valentine's Day. Here's your blankety-blank flowers. Now let's get ready and go out and blow 80 bucks on a meal. And it's like something's missing, right? Something seems to be missing there, and yet it's a picture of how we pray. I better go to this stupid prayer meeting, or I better get up a half an hour early. I better, are you hearing me? And it it takes the love right out of the prayer, doesn't it? It guts it. Well, good news. Good news, there's a better way to pray. There's a better way to pray. As I said last week in opening this message, I'm not saying it's the best way to pray, and I'm not saying that any way is a bad way to pray. If you're calling out to God, that's good. Keep calling out to God. But compared to... What I just described, there's a better way to pray. And as I mentioned last week, it really begins by embracing your place, fully embracing your place as a son or daughter of the living God. It has to begin here. You're not praying your way into the family. You're already in the family. What a great celebration in that song the band just led. We're children of God. We're sons and daughters of the living God. And the better way to pray, pray starts there, by fully embracing the reality that through Jesus Christ and what He did for us, our place in the family is, is certain that everything hinges on this understanding and everything changes in our prayer life when we begin as sons and daughters of the living God. Because there's no room for works righteousness there. There's no room for legalistic, um, heartless prayer when we come as sons and daughters of the living God. Karen and I have 13 grandkids. I oh, know. And when our grandkids come over to our house, which we love, they seem to have no interest in impressing us. They <laughs> have. They're not coming sheepishly. Oh, grandparents, we are here. (laughs) Mayest thou we approach thine presence? (laughs) Grandpa! Grandma! They have no interest in impressing us. They seem only to want two things. One is to be with us. One is to be with us. Because so many of their hundreds of questions start out with Grandpa or Grandma, can we? Can we? Not can I. Can we? Can we go to the creek and go fishing? Can we ride the gator? Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we? My Grandson Theodore yesterday said, can we climb in the hay? Okay. (laughs) Can we? It's about what they want to do with us. Because they're part of the family. They don't come hesitantly. It's can we. And the second thing they want to do when they come is they want to exploit us. They want to eat all of our food, they want to drink all of our drinks, they want to use up all the gasoline in anything that runs, and they, they want to use up the last bit of wakeful energy that Karen and I possibly have to bring to the moment. They don't let up. Never has one said, you seem tired never once can we can we empty the barrel and we love it we live for it and not one single time have any of them ever said grandpa and grandma I really owe you big time (laughs) they've never said someday someday I'm going to pay you back for all the fun we've had on your farm They've never, I, don't, I hope the cr- thought has never crossed their mind. And that's where a better way to pray begins. We're sons and daughters of the living God. It's true, He's still God. He's still holy, righteous, pure, and perfect. Lord of the universe. But by His own doing, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to make us sons and daughters. That's His initiative. So prayer looks more like, Lord, I'm hungry. Can you show me the way to the cupboard? Begins there. A better way to pray this morning continues by understanding that God has already prepaid your account through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is going to be new for some of you. The second most essential element in vitalizing your prayer life to new levels is in the confident understanding that when you pray, you're not trying to persuade God to do something He may otherwise be reluctant to do, but you are learning to access the cupboards of His riches that Jesus died and rose again to fill for you. The supplies are full. It changes everything. It's a better way to pray. When you understand that when you pray, you're not saying, Lord, I know I don't deserve this, and I, know I probably don't want to do this, but. But when you go as a son and daughter of the living God and say, could you show me the way to the cupboards? The specifics of your prayers the Bible teaches have been answered long before you thought to pray them. Jesus said, your father already knows what you need. This, are you getting this? This is going to blow some of your minds. The specifics, the very specifics of your prayers have been answered long before you thought to pray the prayer. So prayer isn't getting God to put something in the cupboard. Prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to lead you to access what's already in the cupboard. It's already there. You want to see some scripture on that? Say, yeah, okay, Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We'll start in verse 20. Mark, that's one of the Gospels, the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and there you are. Go to the part Mark 11. Now look at the little numbers and get to a 20. And we'll be reading from there on. Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Jesus and his disciples are together. Give you some idea of who. uh, they are in the morning as they went along they saw the fig tree withered from the roots we'll get to that Peter remembered and said to Jesus Rabbi look the fig tree you're cursed is withered have faith in God Jesus answered I tell you the truth if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the heart of the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen it will be done for him therefore I tell you Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We'll get to that in the last message of the series. Uh, The context of this passage here, first of all, is that Jesus is in Jerusalem for the last time. So he's already made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the events leading up to the giving of his life. Uh, The specific context is that while he was there, if you go upstairs in your Bible to verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. So they'd been in Bethany and seeing in the distance a fig tree in the leaf. So Jesus was hungry. He He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So he cursed this fig tree. It's a strange, bizarre moment in the ministry of Jesus. But the context of this is he's making a huge point. And the point is about the fruitlessness of how the, how the Jews had come. That, that Jesus was hungry, the world was hungry and, and the, the Jewish nation was out of touch with God. They had nothing to give anymore. There was no fruit on the tree. And so Jesus, who is about to give his life on the cross, in fulfillment of all the law, then says, May you never bear fruit again. That, that, the, that the, the concept of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is no longer necessary because Jesus Christ fully met the demands of the law on the cross. And so he makes this point, may you never bear fruit again. He's saying it to the Pharisees, may you never bear fruit again. May, the, the, may your influence just come to nothing now because Jesus Christ is about to die on the cross and rise again. So that's, that's the overall context of this. And then as we back down in our passage, we see that Peter then asks a very compelling question. Peter Peter says down in the in the passage. He says, "Look, Lord Rabbi, look the fig tree you cursed has withered," and he, he's implying a question, isn't he? How'd you do that? That was cool. Like yesterday, you said, "May you never bear fruit again." Now look, it's been. It looks like it had Roundup on it or something. It's done. It's withered. How did you do that? And that's that's a good question. I love it that Peter was always willing. He was. He was the guy who was willing to ask the question that everybody else was thinking, but didn't want to ask because they thought it was a stupid question. Anybody? Yep. Like you're in trigonometry and you're going like, so what's a cosine again, right? No? <laughs> something about the ratio of the adjacent side to the hypotenuse or something. Is that, is that even close? Does anybody know? West side... You're in a situation. <laughs> you're in a situation, and you 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 want to ask a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. i can't, I got to like, use my other hand to do it, so I'm definitely... Uh, you're in a situation, and somebody needs to ask the question. And Peter asks the question, the compelling question. How did you do that? Jesus gives a two-part answer, and the first thing he says is simply this. is uh, He says... He says, when you learn what faith is, then nothing will be impossible for you. Have faith in God, he said in verse 22. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, if anyone, have faith in God, have faith in God, and if anyone, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it'll be done. Oh man, that's a mind blower, isn't it? Come on. Is that a mind blower? Does the Bible say it? Yeah, The answer is yeah, I just read it, you guys. Yeah, it says it. But it's like, come on, Jesus. He makes these audacious statements that just rock our world, yeah? And how many of you, like me, have prayed for something you thought was important and thought you were praying in faith and it crumbled in front of you? There must be something wrong with the Bible, right? There must be something wrong with God, right? No, and no. I'm still learning what faith is. I am still learning what faith is. He said, have faith in God. If you have faith in God, then you can pray. I'm still growing in my understanding of what faith is. I hope I live to be a thousand. Because at this rate, I'm still learning what faith is. But the truth remains. There's definitely a progressive part of our journey. I mean, how many of you would say that your understanding of faith is substantially different than what it was when you were younger in the Lord? Yeah. The promise remains. There's nothing wrong with the Bible, there's nothing wrong with God. We've got to get in touch with what this faith means. But the second part of Jesus' answer to this question was that the key to effective prayer is to pray from the perspective that you are learning to access what God has already been made, already made available to you through the cross of Christ. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Believe that it's already there. Believe that it's already there. Believe that it's already there. We have got to push past this thing like, you know, God wants something or another. We've got to struggle to figure out what that is. He's made known what he wants for us. Believe that it's already there so that prayer is a matter of increasing our capacity to access what's already there. The difference between debit or credit. Remember this question at the mire used to be paper or plastic? Now it's debit or credit, right? <laughs> debit or credit. A credit card, of course. Slide that knowing, go. Every time you slide a credit card, it's oh, all right. There's a, something coming in the mail after that. It's not good. Oh, every time you slide that. It's like, does Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. $80 Valentine's meal. Oh, oh. not only do I hate this holiday, now I got to pay for it later. Okay. Debit card on the other hand, I got money. I got money, right? I already got money. <laughs> Uh, I got a little less money, <laughs> uh, I got a little less money, but it's not the same as, oh. There's a very different attitude, isn't there? Yeah, of course there is. I think this is going to affect the way we pray, in a sense, that there's a difference between credit versus debit prayers. Credit, when we pray, okay, God gives you something, you know you owe him now, right? I mean, come on, Hello? Something's got to, something, he's going to get his pound of flesh out of you somehow, right? It's works-based. If I'm a good enough person, I must be doing something wrong because God isn't answering my prayers. It's, there's really no faith required in a credit prayer. Because you're really not trusting in anything, or trusting in anything that's already been done. You have a mechanism of prayer. If you have faith, it's faith in the mechanism because you read a book or you heard a teaching or something that now gives you the supreme method of prayer. Um, it's based on your name. Here I am, I've been a Christian for 35 years, and you know, I know I've had my ups and downs, I'm having a good day today, so I'm going to ask for some big stuff. Right? Can anybody relate to any of this? Seven of you, okay. And, and it's a ba- based on a promise of what you'll do later. How many of you, don't raise your hand, have ever bargained with God? Don't raise your hand. God, if you answer this prayer, then I will. If you, God, if you give me this, then I promise I will. Don't say that out loud. Okay? And so that's a kind of, you're, you're putting yourself in debt when you pray that way, right? Just trying to make a point. Debit and credit really isn't in the Bible. Okay. A debit prayer you're you're approaching your prayer that it's fully prepaid. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you to provide a free flow of the power of God. Jesus said, if anyone has faith in me, he will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So when Jesus returned to the Father through his death and resurrection, he provided a mechanism of the flow of the power of God. So it's prepaid. It's all paid up. I got money. Okay? It's, uh, it's grace-based. It's not works-based. He paid it for you. I mean, supposing you got an email from your bank going, hey, there's a million dollars in your checking account. just wanted to let you know that Dennis just sent a million dollars. He put it in your checking account. That'd be a good day, Yes? It's prepaid. I got money. Faith is essential. Faith is essential. When you swipe your debit card, you have faith that what? There's money in the account, right? That, it's all, that the cupboard's already full. It's based on his name, not on your name. You can't put anything in your account. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So unless you can find a place that will take filthy rags as payment, you don't have anything in your account. But it's based on the name of Jesus Christ, the perfect name of Jesus Christ. When you come to him and know him as Savior and Lord of your life, then you are in his name. You are a child of his. We've been over this a zillion times based on his name and it's based on the promise that Jesus has already fulfilled. He's already done it. He's already fulfilled it. And it all centers around faith. Faith. I doubt that there's anybody here who would think that God didn't have the stuff to answer your prayers. I mean, like, he didn't have access to the answer. I doubt everybody believes that. If he's God, he's got everything, right? So it's not a matter of praying in such a way that that we convince him uh, or that he has to go out and find this stuff. So this faith thing, what is this faith thing? When Jesus started, in answer to Peter's implied question, have faith in God, he wasn't talking about having faith in anything except the character of God. Have faith in the character of God. When you have faith in who God is, your prayer life lights up. You have faith in the character, the person of God. It's a little bit difficult to explain. But that God, in His character, He, he loves you, that's part of His character. He, um, he, he's faithful, yes? The faithfulness of God is part of his character. And so when you pray, then you have faith in his character. When you pray according to faith in the character of God, then you know that what you ask for is done for you. I think I'm going to... I have to illustrate this. This is a very nervous illustration. I need Eddie and Pat and Dennis and Vladimir and Chris and John. I need six men of character. Come to me, brothers, right here in front of me. Make a little shell. Where's Eddie? I'm counting on your character. Okay, I'm counting on the fact that you have character. I believe you. So if we did that crazy thing where you guys three, three on each side, like, you know, face each other, and you get over here, I'm going to fall down. Back up a little because you got to catch me. <laughs> 220 pounds here. Now I don't mess around with it. But I'm going to ask you guys something. And if I fall, will you catch me? We'll yes. You may go. <laughs> Come back here. Uh, I don't want any trying. Yoda said, There is no try. Okay, yo. Only doing. Thank you. How do you know Yoda's stuff? Is it a height advantage? We got your back. Okay. Will you catch me? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I will. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna go, and you're gonna catch me, right? Okay, ready? Okay, I'm I'm only appealing to your character. I don't know if you have the strength, I assume you have the strength, I'm gonna assume that. Okay, here we go. Oh, that was easy, wow. (laughs) Back up a little bit. Okay, there we go. Let's make this a little, I'm still appealing to your character, okay? Eddie, you come around the middle there or something a little bit, okay. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Well, that was really easy. Let's make this interesting. come on, right here, right here, I'm going to appeal to your character, no, hands down, okay, okay, (laughs) all right, Vladimir, will you catch me, definitely, okay, (laughs) you sure, right, okay, all right, Uh, this is faith, I'm just going to appeal to your character, because I believe you, because you said something, I believe it, I'm going to fully trust in it, ready, I'm not even going to count. I'm just going to go. All right. Thank you. You may sit down. All right. Have faith in God. Have faith in his character. Have faith in the one who's promised to catch you. Have faith in the character of God when you pray. When you have faith in the character of God, your prayer life lights up. You're not, you don't have faith in your own character, and your own strength, and your own righteousness. You have faith in the character of God and His promise to provide for you. His promise to always do the best thing for you. You have faith in that character. And your prayer life will light up. I just want you to think about for a moment as we get ready to close, being a part of the idyllic Thanksgiving family dinner. I don't know how many of you have any version of this or you have an aversion for this when it comes around. We, We all live different lives. But you can imagine it at the very least. About being a part of the perfect family And uh, Thanksgiving comes around and Grandma and Grandpa have everybody over. Grandma's been slaving for four days for something we will devour in 22 minutes. All of this, in order for you to be a full participant at that table, two things have to be true. One, you have to believe that you have a right to be there. You have to believe that you have a right to be there. If it's a family dinner, your right is based on the fact that you are part of the family, either by a bloodline, or through marriage, or adoption, or whatever you would say, but you know that you have a right to be there. So you go confidently, because you have a right to be there. But the second thing you need to to know if you're going to enjoy that meal, is you have, you have to know that it's fully paid for. It's already paid for. How many of you have ever been to a restaurant and you saw the menu and went, <laughs> I hope I have enough money. And let me ask you this, did it affect what you ordered? Did it? I'll have the water. (laughs) And the ketchup, good. It affects your request because it's based on you. How many of you have ever been to the family Thanksgiving meal and wondered if you had enough money to pay? Wondered, I hope I'm going to be able to pay the check when I leave. Imagine getting a check from Grandma as, you, as the meal winds down. <laughs> In our family of 24, we would say, and Bruce, there's a surcharge for Spencer because he eats a lot. And... Brian, we've already added the gratuity because you're a party of six. (laughs) Is there ever a thought when you're in the family dinner room, I hope I have enough to pay for this. No, it's already paid. And the truth is that our family dinner, maybe like yours, not only is it already paid, but you go home with leftovers. What you ask for in prayer will be directly proportional to your faith that the bill is already paid. Amen. The Bible says that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. According to his riches in glory. The cupboards are already full in Christ Jesus the payment is already made so a better way to pray is instead of trying to persuade God to do something it's asking him to show you where the thing is that he's already done you go to Home Depot you're pretty sure they have nails is there a doubt that they have inch and five eighths drywall screws is there any doubt nope What do you need from the person? Tell me. Can you tell me where they are? Can you just show me where they are so that I can get them? You don't park your car. They're going. Oh, I sure hope they have inch and five eighths drywall screws here. I sure hope they have some. You don't meet that person and say, "I know it's a lot to ask." You possibly have inch and five eighths drywall screws here. Is it it possible that in any scenario, and what would I have to do to access those? You just ask the guy in the orange apron. Can you tell me where the drywall screws are? And they tell you what aisle, right? That's a better way to pray. Sons and daughters of the living God, having faith, faith in the character of God. Lord in heaven, we invite you to come and to revolutionize our lives, to light up our prayer lives. We have uh, clearly demonstrated how bad we are at being religious people, Lord. And so we forsake it all to have a real relationship with you. I thank you for each one of these men and women and young people that you have drawn into this building today, Lord. It's a different place here, I guess, than a lot of other places. But it's exactly, I believe, what you called us to do when you called us to do this. And so, Lord, we want to we just take some time now to celebrate your faithfulness in our lives. And I pray as we do that you would set free the person who thinks that they have to somehow earn your favor, that they somehow are are doing something wrong, that it's up to them. Would you just let them go, Lord, so that they could come into this dynamic love relationship with you take their place at your table, eat freely, give freely from the table, pass on the goodness of your table. To those around them, Lord. We rejoice in who you are, your God, and in spite of all that you're over, you have somehow an, a love interest in each one of us. And so we rejoice in that. And we'd like to take some time this morning just to celebrate your character, celebrate your faithfulness. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, into this room. I pray that you would extend your offer of salvation to anybody who feels like they're on the outside looking in and they're ready to come in to a relationship with you. I pray that you'd extend your offer of healing and power and deliverance to bodies that are hurting or broken or people are living under some kind of a terminal diagnosis. I pray that you'd just come now, Father, and demonstrate the power of your faithfulness. I pray for those who will come up here to pray for others. I pray that you'll anoint them with your Holy Spirit and you'll give them eyes to see what you're doing, kingdom eyes, and I pray that you'll give them power to be able to stand in faith and call out things that are not in this realm and just call things over from from your side to our side, Lord. Just pray a release of the power of God in this room. now, In the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, I'd like to invite you to stand with me. I'd like to ask some prayer ministry people to come up and make yourselves available to pray for people. But I want to invite you to celebrate the character of God, the faithfulness of God.